I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute of our elaborate plans, the end of everything that stands the end in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 120, which begins with credits for post-production sound, supervised by Mark Mangini and Scott Hecker, and it ends with the Warner Brothers logo dipping to black. But as this is our final episode of the season... Our final episode of our coverage of Mad Max Fury Road, we're going to stick with our formula and completely ignore those credits so that we can talk about other stuff. Yeah, so we can talk about us. I feel like after two years, 415 episodes, over 200 hours of content that we can afford to be a little self-indulgent here at the finish line. <laughs> like we're never self-indulgent. All right, that's a good point, but... We have been running a marathon, and here at the end of it, we are allowed to throw our hands up in the air as we cross that finish line and look back at the time clock and think, oh, wow, that took a lot longer than I thought it would. (laughs) For sure. On that front, though, I have to say, it went a lot faster than I thought it would. These four seasons have flown by. Looking back on it, is there anything you wish we had done differently? Oh, absolutely. I wish we had done three days a week from the beginning. Those first two movies, they just went by so fast. And we could have slowed down a little. Mm -hmm. It would have taken us four years instead of, I think, a little over three or almost three. Well, we started in 2017. So all of 17, all of 18, and all of 19. So three years. Could have taken us four years. And it would have been less pressure on you as our editor and producer and our everything. Would have been less pressure. I'm looking back at the calendar for when we started back in Mad Max, and we recorded our first five episodes on January 21st, 2017, and that first five-episode run was a slog. Oh my word. We sat there at the kitchen table for, what, like three hours? Three and a half hours? We learned a valuable lesson that day, and that's the only time that for our podcast we've recorded five episodes all at the same time Mm -hmm. it was so hard and i got a little bit of feedback from my parents who have been loyal listeners from the beginning that you could hear it in my voice by the end of the week that i sounded tired Mm -hmm. because i was ironically enough we recorded three episodes at a time for the rest of that movie but we were still releasing five days a week we could have switched over it could have been so easy If only we took that lesson of the first recording session and, like, followed it till its natural conclusion. Yeah. Like, hey, five is too much. Let's do three. You know what the big problem with season one was? We recorded our first session on the 21st. We released our first episode on the 30th. That's nine days of lead time. Since that day, we have never had so short a lead time. I don't know. I think for Road Warrior, we had a pretty short lead time at some points it yeah. just production got away and Editing we fell behind yeah for road warrior it fell at a busier time of the year for you and that was when i learned how to edit mm-hmm. are there any big things that you wish we had done differently i wish we had made fresh eyes friday a more regular thing from a production standpoint it's really easy to record when it's just the two of us because I have both of our microphones patched into one feed and it's just one track that I have to watch. And the great thing about doing Road Warrior is that we brought in someone just on Friday and so I had four really easy episodes to edit and then one that was a little bit more complicated. Then we did Thunderdome and Fury Road where we were bringing in people for the entire week and... Suddenly, my workload got a lot heavier. Now, granted, I've grown as an editor. I've learned a lot, and there are many things that I do now that I did not do for those first three seasons. But 
I feel like it would have been interesting to get guests earlier or cut back how long the guests were on. So I think what you're saying is that you wish we had done Friday guests from the beginning, from Mad Max 79, and continued that theme of just guests on the last episode of the week through all four seasons? I think so. I like that idea. I'm very torn about guests because I enjoy having people on. I like having a fresh pair of eyes. People who see things completely different, who see things that we never noticed before. Fantastic. And I love it. And we, side note, have made amazing friends through podcasting. Yeah, we've met a lot of people. That will be friends for life (laughs) with us. But I started doing this because I like talking to you. I like our discussions and I really enjoy it. And when we go a couple weeks in a row with guests, I miss just talking to you. So I like the idea of talking to just you on Monday and Wednesday, and then we bring in a guest on Friday, which that particular format we never actually achieved. When we were bringing in guests just on Friday, we were still doing five days a week. Yeah. The major upside to four regular days, one guest day is that you were able to help me out on the regular days and then it just fell to me to do the guest days. Yes, I edited the four regular. I have never sat you down and say, hey, have this three or four track audio recording and go for it. Nope, because you love me. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of guests, over the 415 episodes that we've done, I crunched some numbers. Well... I put some numbers into my Google Sheets and I had it pop out a graph. Okay. Of those episodes, 57.1% of them were just the two of us, which means that 42.9% were guest episodes. And that's for the entire run. So if you can break it up by season, the numbers are very different. For instance, season one, because we only had Alex Robinson on for that one week. At Mm -hmm. the end of the season, it's a (laughs) 5.4% guest ratio. Uh With Road Warrior, because it was every Friday, it was a very clean 20%, which just pleases me. Yeah, it does. It's a great 80-20 split. I love it when the splits are uh, solid numbers. Going into Thunderdome and Fury Road, it swings wildly in favor of the guest episodes. Because for Thunderdome, we had 64.5% guest episodes. And Fury Road, 70%. 70%? A 70-30 split. Oh my goodness. I can definitely back that up with how I feel the season went. I feel like we had a lot of guests on this season. And honestly, that was a little bit out of our control because people came to us. People wanted to guest on this season. Yeah. In a way that we didn't see with previous seasons. You know what I like, though, with the exception of season one, where we only had the one guest in Alex for each of the seasons afterward, we added a very consistent number of new faces to the podcast. We had 25 new voices in season two, 20 new voices in season three, and an additional 21 new voices in season four. Wow. And that's. When you consider that we also brought people back from previous seasons. Yeah, we brought lots of people back. I believe you mentioned the other day who had the record for the most appearances. Based on the numbers that I'm crunching, the number one spot for most appearances as a guest on the podcast is actually tied. Okay. Between Liz and Karen from the Foxes in the Hen House. Nice. They're so enjoyable to have on. Yeah. The appearance that they made just a couple of weeks ago was actually a last minute appearance. Mm. We had some guests fall through and we were so close to the end and we still have people that we wanted to have on. So we're like, okay, who can do things last minute? And we really wanted to have them back. So we texted them and they're like, sure, we can do it. So it's a nice surprise to be able to get them on one last time because they are so much fun. Plus... We get to pack up equipment and go somewhere that we don't usually record. And that has mixed results. <laughs> it does. For sure. But you've also learned things about doing that. Exactly. If you ever do that in the future, now you know. Learned and grown. Take a set of headphones with you so that yeah. you can hear the feeds coming in. 
<laughs> but yeah, like you said, all of those voices are essentially new friends that we've made by doing this project. People that we didn't know three years ago. Yes, so many people. We have a whole new group of friends, people that we spend time with. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, that is online interactions. But then now we take an annual trip somewhere around the country where we've all decided to get together and hold a convention. And we have a program. People get up on stage and perform. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We were very lucky. And I'm not quite sure how it started, but the first time that all of the Movie by Minute podcasters got together was the first year that we were doing our podcast. Yeah, the timing was really perfect for us. We got in essentially on the ground floor. <laughs> we did. The first year we went to Chicago and we had already taken a trip that summer. I think we had also taken a trip in the spring. So we were kind of spent. Mostly it was on vacation time from work. We had nothing left. So we flew out on Saturday morning, mm -hmm. crashed at the airport hotel on Saturday night, and flew home on Sunday morning. It was insane. But getting to meet all these people in person that we had a relationship with online that we had spoken to over recording was priceless. I would encourage anybody listening that if you want to get into podcasting, if you've never got behind a microphone before and you're looking for a format, might I recommend Movies by Minutes? Because we had never done this before this project. No, we had never recorded. We had never. Well, Rick, you have editing experience. From exactly. Work. I'm a failed YouTuber, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we were a little bit intimidated to start. I know I was for sure. And that intimidation and that hesitation resulted in a completely different podcast. We had wanted to do the Harry Potter movies. Mm -hmm. So we were starting to think about going down that road and we just weren't fast enough. We weren't actually doing anything about it. We we're dragging our feet. And somebody else started doing it. Like, well, we're certainly not going to compete with somebody else. What else can we do? I mean... Hindsight being 2020, we probably could have competed. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure we would have been. This might be a strong statement, but I'm not sure that if we had tried to compete with Gary and Victoria, that we would have been welcomed with such open arms into the Minute Makers community. Yeah. There are unwritten rules. And the unwritten rules do not say you cannot repeat a movie. But there needs to be a certain respect for others when you do repeat a movie. There needs to be a certain grace period. As I it think were. so. To my knowledge, nobody has covered the same movie at the same time. I think there was a team of guys doing Jay and Silent Bob movies and also a team of guys doing Clerks movies. Okay. And so they were running over... concurrently. Okay. But other than that, I can't think of anything. Yeah. But the important thing is that with Movies by Minutes, you have a format. You cut up a movie into however many minutes it is, and then you just talk about that minute of film. And you don't have to worry about, oh, geez, what are we going to talk about this week? You also don't have to worry about keeping up with a television series. If you're doing a recap mm -hmm. podcast about a show that's currently airing, because I tried to do that on YouTube and boy, was that hard. And... The final product is so different than what I do as final products now. So <laughs> it was rough. A perk of this format, for sure, is your ability to bank episodes. Yeah, it's perennial. We are so banked. We are recording this episode on July 13th. Mm -hmm. And it's coming out in December. Yep. This season was a little bit special. We pushed to get as much done before the heat of the summer set in as possible. You can say that again. Because last year, we had a really hard time recording. It got so hot in here. We were miserable. And that's when we decided, okay, we're going to start recording next season early so that we can be out of here before summer gets too bad. And I would say summer got bad like two weeks ago. <laughs> so <laughs> Rick, the editor is working with a lot of air conditioning noises. Exactly. 
But looking back at the calendar for 2018 and just how far into the summer we were still producing, all through June, all through July, all through August, full-on, complete episodes, it was a lot. And not only were we doing regular episodes, we were also doing hiatus episodes, our coverage of Hook five minutes at a time. That's right. And those recording sessions were also quite long. Those were an hour, hour and a half sessions. Really? They were that long? I don't remember them being that long. Well, okay, hour and a half might be pushing it. I would say an hour, because our finished products were coming out between 45 minutes and an hour. Now that was a growing experience for you. It really was. It was the first time that I was the producer on that show. The biggest thing it taught me, absolutely, is respect for how much you put into this podcast. You do everything. You do all the prep work. You are the voice of reason. You're the voice of logic. You're the voice of research. I am the emotional voice. I don't have to prepare to be the emotional voice. I just am. (laughs) You're also the editor and all the way through till the day it launches. It's all you. So that's what it was for me doing Hook. And I could tell that you enjoyed being the person who was hands off. Yeah, it was pretty nice not having to worry about so many things. Yeah, you did some of the technical stuff for me. Yeah, I was still the sound engineer. Yes. Clicking the buttons and running the audio and things like that. Yeah. But And you did some of the finishing touches on the editing for me, putting the openers and the music and stuff in. Yeah. But yeah, that was, whew, that was something. I wanted to continue it because I love talking about movies. And I love using movies as jumping off points to talk about related subjects. I have this habit at work of we're having a conversation and I pop in with some inane fact about what we're talking about. And everyone, how do you even know that? I'm like, from the podcast, from the podcast. And not only have we done our own stuff on the main feed and Patreon and all that, but we've also had the opportunity to be on so many other podcasts. We have. And that is a mixed bag. It has been fun. We've watched lots of different movies for the sake of talking about them with other people. I've watched movies that I never would have. I have had a lot of fun because I am always game for a guest spot. I will talk about just about any movie. I didn't always get that sense with you, though. No, you definitely didn't. I made a statement earlier about how much I like talking to you, and it's one reason why I like doing the podcast. I just get to sit here and talk to you. But talking to other people is harder, especially when they're in charge of the conversation. Yeah. I'm also not a butter-inner. I usually patiently wait my turn, and that doesn't work on podcasts. You have to butt in, or you're never going to get heard. You're never going to get to say anything if you don't butt in. And if it takes butting in... To get to say something, that's the editor's problem. Making that sound good, that's the editor's problem. That's the lovely thing about multi-track editing. So it took me a long time, and I'm not sure I really have learned that lesson about how to butt in. As a result, a lot of times when I'm on other people's podcasts, I just don't talk that much. And if I don't get to talk that much, it's not that much fun for me. (laughs) Also... An interesting effect of being your co-host, you are a riffer and you're good at it and you're funny and you can just go off on a subject and tell jokes and be silly. I am not. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that there are noticeable times that have slipped through the editing process where I have thrown something to you or been riffing and the... Just falls flat in front of me. The disgust in your voice of wrap it up, Rick, you're wasting time shines through. (laughs) As a result, when we're doing our podcast, you can see my face. We're sitting here looking at each other as we're talking. So you know when something just isn't landing and either you need to clarify so that it does land or just wrap it up and move on. It's not like that with guests both guests on with us and us on other people's shows. So when we're on a particularly riffy show, honestly, I don't have anything to contribute. There's no point to me being there. Oh yeah, you tune out most of the time. (laughs) I do. And there have been times where we have both been invited and I have said no thank you. And just you show up. 
and that is absolutely fine. It's usually the ones where either I know that I'm going to have a hard time getting a word in edgewise or they're very riffing heavy. Mm-hmm. No, do you feel that you've gotten better at doing that? No, not at all. Because there are certain things in your life that change when you become a podcaster. You learn different skills. You alter the way you talk. And while I'm sure you wouldn't necessarily say that you're a more pushy person in conversation now, there are certainly other things that have changed. I know I'm much more cognizant of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it and the structure of my words. And that really comes from having to listen to myself speak and hearing all of those little crutches that drive me absolutely up the wall. I thought that I had been doing good on the crutches from the very first time that we recorded. And as soon as you started editing, you were like, we got to stop with the ums and the likes. I think I used to do, and you tell me if I still do it. I do this little smack with my lips before I launch into something. Like, well, so you have to take that out. Yep, every and, time. And the listeners probably might not have heard that because I'll, Rick might have left it out. I'll probably keep that specific one in because it is illustrating a point. <laughs> there is nothing that drives me more crazy than listening to a wet mouth on a podcast and just hearing all of those smacking noises and bubbling spit sloshing around in someone's <laughs> mouth and it makes me want to reach through a speaker and strangle someone <laughs> i thought i was doing well at avoiding those crutches and then you started editing road warrior and then i started editing and i started hearing it in myself i'm like oh i can do better i need to do better because every incorrect word that we say is a few seconds of our time for editing mm-hmm. it's a few clicks if you've got 40 minutes of raw episode, it's not going to take you 40 minutes to edit. It's going to take you at least twice that long. Exactly. You shared with me an image. It was kind of in meme format. I think it was once upon a time an article about those vocal crutches. And it was definitely geared towards how women feel that they have to use those crutches to sound not bossy and not bitchy. While men just get to say what they think and tell you what to do without using those crutches. First of all, both you and I use them. It has made me so much more aware how often I say, I think, I feel. And that's been my new level of, okay, I need to clean those up. And not just for the sake of podcasting and for the sake of you editing, but in my life. At work, I'm a supervisor. So I have a group of four people who I am in charge of and they come to me when they need things. When they need me to make a decision, I need to not be waffly. Even if I'm not sure of the decision, even if I'm just kind of guessing, because often I am. Honestly, I don't know how I became a supervisor, but it's my job to tell them what to do. And I need to actually tell them and not say, oh, I think you should do this and we'll see how it goes. No, do this. It's amazing how much more authoritative you can sound when you take out those qualifiers. When you stop saying... I think that car is fast. No, that car is fast. Mm-hmm. It's a fact. You can say it. Yeah. It's not just my point of view that it's fast. It is fast. It can be your point of view that Max's jacket is too heavy for the environment that he's in, but it's also a fact that it was cold that day. <laughs> and when you're podcasting, when you're the host, there is an assumption one, that you are an authority on what you're talking about. By the virtue of making a podcast, you are now an authority. Whether that is backed up by my knowledge or not doesn't matter anymore. We now have 400 some odd episodes on the public record that makes us an authority on the subject. So mm -hmm. speak with authority. And also, this is not a fact-based podcast. This is us talking about a movie. It's a critical evaluation. Yes. So the listeners should be assuming, and I think they do, that everything I say is my opinion. It's from my point of view. So I don't have to make that clear. After 400 some odd episodes of evaluating, looking at the Mad Max movies one minute at a time, has your opinion of the movies changed at all? 
And what I mean by that is here at the end of the fourth movie, what is your ranking of the four? Ah, okay. I knew that you were going to ask this question. I'm going to have to put Fury Road at number one. And that pains me a little bit because I have been holding on for quite some time to putting Mad Max 79 at number one. I'm going to put it at number two. And then Road Warrior and Thunderdome are pretty much the same to me. I, I can't really pick between three and four on those. The only reason that I'm putting Fury Road at number one is because technically and all around cinematically, objectively, it is a better movie. It is a better George Miller. Everything about this movie is just better. Times are so different. Technology is so different. I think the style of acting that we see in movies now is just so much more emotional and convincing than the style of acting back in the 70s and 80s. It's just a better movie. Now, this is a terrible hypothetical that I'm going to throw at you. Oh, no. If tomorrow a meteor was heading towards the planet and was going to eliminate all life on Earth and the only way to save humanity was to throw three of the Mad Max movies in the garbage forever so that no one could ever see them again. This is a very picky asteroid. It makes zero sense. But then again, all apocalyptic scenarios are pretty crazy like this. If you had to lose all but one Mad Max movie, what is the one that you would keep? Ooh, that's tough. It would have to be Fury Road again. Is there any chance the civilization could come back? Well, they'd be saved from the asteroid because the three other movies would get thrown away. It's okay. just the question of, is the asteroid making everybody forget the first three movies? Like, is it just hanging out in orbit, hovering over the planet? And if anyone tries to remake one of those other three, it's going to kill us all. That is completely out of the question because I haven't thought it that far out yet. Okay, let me propose something to you and let's see if it is allowed in your hypothetical apocalypse if i choose mad max 79 can george miller make more mad max movies based off of that lore opening nugget not necessarily the three movies that he did make but by keeping the source material where all of this came from can he make more mad max movies sure then i choose number one okay <laughs> I think number one is a better place to start for future Mad Max movies than Fury Road. I love how you took my hypothetical framing device and twisted it around so that you could put a big old asterisk on your answer. <laughs> I just want to leave the door open. Plus, if we start with this nugget of a world from Mad Max 79 and George Miller is like, huh, you know, I could really take this story somewhere. Let's explore this world. Then we get more movies that are similar to Fury Road in the technical sense, because he gets to make more movies. Same question to you. Let's start with your ranking. All right. After watching all four movies, I sat here and I deliberated what my ranking was going to be, because I completely agree that Mad Max Fury Road from a technical standpoint and a cinematic standpoint and a stunt and acting standpoint, like every aspect of Fury Road is a marvel. It is marvelous. And as much as that holds weight, I'm still torn because Fury Road is amazing in and of itself. Road Warrior is a classic story that I can watch over and over and over again, and it's always satisfying. Thunderdome is so much fun. I hate it when people bag on Thunderdome because you watch that movie and it is bonkers. And I love it. I love <laughs> Thunderdome so much. And that first movie, that first Mad Max movie, everyone is so young and so eager and sincere. And oh my gosh, Max as the lead and Toe Cutter as the villain are just so good, and it is painful for me to rank them. But if I had to, gun against my head, I would probably put Road Warrior at number one, Fury Road at number two, Thunderdome at number three, and Mad Max 79 at number four. Wow! 
There's no movie which we categorize the same. Although your arguments are very convincing. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've said it before, both on our podcast and other podcasts. Generally speaking, I like the first movie in a series the best. I like the getting to know the characters. I like knowing how things started out and how people became the way they are down the road. You like origin stories. I do. I like origin stories to a point. One thing I don't like about Batman is that every freaking movie has his origin story in it. But that's beside the point. But if you don't have his origin story, how will everybody know that his parents were killed in an alley and he still feels bad about it? Well, (laughs) I would argue that most people haven't seen Mad Max 79. They don't know Max's origin story and they get along just fine. That is very true. Although we do highly encourage people to watch 79. Oh, absolutely. You will have a greater appreciation for the other three movies knowing Max in that way that you get to know him in 79. What he was like as an active cop, the loss that he went through and how that broke him. That's what we learn in 79. Mm -hmm. And I just now came to the realization that you love Road Warrior. I do not. I don't dislike it in any way. I just don't love it the way you do. Yeah. If I had to wipe out three of the four Mad Max movies, Mm -hmm. I would probably keep Road Warrior because it is so tight of a movie. I can't think of a single sequence of Road Warrior that drags. It is so tight and it works so well because in the first Mad Max movie, we had two days Two solid minutes of Goose riding his motorcycle. And for the purposes of our podcast, that dragged us down. And there was the vacation montage that slowed everything way down. In the third movie, any time they went in the desert was a slog. It was. And there were definitely some slower times in Mad Max Fury Road where we didn't quite have as much to talk about. The... Entry into the Rock Riders Canyon comes to mind, where it was a solid three minutes, a whole week for us, where it was only the building of tension. And you cannot talk for an hour and a half over three days about, oh, listen to the tension building. We did it. It's done. (laughs) I say you can't do it. We did it. Probably ill-advised in hindsight, but I digress. Road Warrior was... So good, even considering that the first several minutes of the movie had no dialogue. There was always something happening. That was something that I loved about that movie is that even for a Mad Max movie, it was light on dialogue and how that had no negative effect on the story. I still look back fondly at minute 10 of Road Warrior because that was our first time talking to Heidi Bennett and Molly Balin. And there is very little that happens in minute 10. Max drives up to the gyrocopter, parks his car, gets out and walks around the car. And that is the entirety of minute 10. And if I remember right, that episode still ran over half an hour. I have the faintest idea. You are the numbers guru. So if you say it ran over half an hour, I believe you. It ran 59 minutes. Wait, what? I'm looking at it right now. Oh, that's right. That was back in the day where we did one episode per week with a guest. So we we talked about pretty much whatever they wanted to talk about. There are so many people that we got to hang out with that, like you said at the top of this episode, they're friends that are going to be around for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, for one, am so glad that we got to talk to so many people outside of our comfort zone Yuri and Travis, for instance, they're out there in Hollywood doing big time voice acting and TV writing gigs like those are big names. We got to talk to Adam Skoogle, Finn McHugh himself. Yeah. Like we've talked to people that were in the movie. We got to talk to Dana Grant. How awesome is that? She was Xena. Those celebrity appearances. I got to say were very stressful for me. (laughs) Oh, but how fun was Mark Sexton? He was a lot of fun. I would say, though, my favorite celebrity guest by far was Dana Grant. She was such a delight to talk to. I was so incredibly nervous. 
and we had to reschedule the recording, which just ripped my heart out of my throat. It was so nerve wracking to me. But once we got going, it flowed and it was fun. And she was so nice and willing to tell stories. And she was really delightful. We don't have that many celebrity guests, but do you have a favorite celebrity guest? I'll tell you who I was actually a little nervous about having on the show, and it was Shem Herman. Ooh, yes. Because Shem is one of those mega fans. Yeah, I mean, you talk about speaking with authority. We're nothing compared to him. He is the type that will hunt down people who worked directly on the film and do private interviews with them. He has folders on his computer of pictures and content that he was given by people like Brendan McCarthy Mm -hmm. and Colin Gibson, people that were hip deep in the trenches working on Fury Road that he cannot show other people because he will get in trouble for doing so. He (laughs) has content that was given to him in confidence. Yep. And there are so many other incredible and dedicated fans to the Mad Max series that we cannot even hope to hold a candle to. And I've joined several Mad Max groups on Facebook, and some of the things that these people do, the rev heads, the guys who will go out and will build their own Interceptor from scratch, are so amazing to me. Awe-inspiring. That is something that it occurs to me might be disappointing to people who attempt to listen to our podcast <laughs> that we are not rev heads. Yeah. We sometimes sound like we know what we're talking about with the cars. Honestly, we're pulling all of that information off of the movie car database. The internet movie cars database. Thank you. We don't know what any of it means. So we fake it well, but people who do know what that means know that we don't know what that means. Yeah. So I suspect that there is a category of listeners who came to us expecting something different and being disappointed and probably leaving because we didn't make it all about the vehicles. And I dare say that if somebody were interested in doing a minute by minute about Mad Max from more of a vehicular point of view... That is still a niche that needs to be filled. Oh, absolutely. Because it was certainly not filled by us. Now, I will say this. Now that we're done with Fury Road, dear listeners, if you want to do your own Mad Max by the minute podcast, get a hold of me. Email us madmaxminute at gmail.com. I have so many resources to give you, and I am absolutely willing to share them. Yes. Any movie. But particularly, I think I'm biased, but particularly Mad Max, this format can be repeated by different people with different experiences, different points of view, different interests. Fury Road has already been repeated once, and our podcast is very different than You Are Awaited. So this can be repeated. People who love the series, who are like, oh, I kind of wanted to do like a focused something about the movies, do it anyways. I will give one caveat, though. If you come to me asking for a shot-by-shot breakdown of the first movie, you will be disappointed because I didn't actually start doing that until Road Warrior. You're willing to give out that info? Yeah. For free? I mean, I'll take my notes out of it. I don't want them to repeat what I said. Because that was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. You could probably sell that. Listeners, what Rick has done with the last three movies And he gives this information to me, and he also gives it to our guest. He takes the individual minute, and then he breaks that minute down shot by shot. And he has a list of second this to second this. This is what happens. This is the dialogue that happens. And every shot change gets its own line. It is a massive amount of work that that I know of. Nobody else in this genre is doing that level of work. There were multiple times where our guests would come to us before recording and say, I have never seen anybody give me that much information. And the fact that we actually give it to our guests is an anomaly. I've been invited on so many shows and they give me a video link 
to a five minute chunk of the movie and say, okay, we're going to talk about this one minute at a time. And I'm like, great, that's a five minute chunk. I guess I will go and cut it out five minutes at a time and I will find the subtitles so I know what they're saying. I tried so hard to make it easy to be a guest on this podcast. And I think that the people that came and joined us will agree that it was easy to do so. I have to admit, I was a little bit disappointed when one of our recent guests was like, wait, you can type in this? I could have taken my notes in this form? Like, yes, of course you could have. I still have my notebook from the very first season. When you didn't do that, my notes are a shot by shot-ish, not nearly as detailed as you do, but like what happens and what I think about it. Oh, those were dark days. The first season. I had kind of forgotten about that when I hand wrote my notes. Oof. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. What do you think you'll miss most about doing the Mad Max Minute? I will miss most having an outlet to get to talk about what I think and what I feel. My life, this is going to be so selfish. My life revolves around other people's needs. I think a lot of people feel that way. At work, I'm in charge of people. I listen to their problems all day long. I also share an office with this group of people. So I listen to them all day long. And I feel like I don't get to say what I want to say very often. So the podcast is absolutely an outlet for me to say what I think. And you, as a co-host, are so good at giving me the time because, like we said before, I'm not an interrupter. So you're really good at stopping for a moment, giving me a chance, or asking me specifically, what do you think about that? Yeah. Which is fantastic. Unless you're not paying attention. Unless I'm not paying attention. But there have been a few times, and I'm so proud of myself when this has happened, and I'm not sure how it really translates after editing, but there have been a few times where I have had to stop you and make my voice heard. I think there was one time, I don't recall if it was on this podcast or if it was on our Patreon feed. I don't recall where it was or what the subject was, but we had mulled over something and we had moved on. But I didn't like how we left the mulling. So I cut us off and I made us go back. You probably edited it to make it sound more smooth, but that's something that I have learned and really enjoyed. What is your favorite part of the podcast? This probably won't surprise anyone, but I'm probably going to miss all of the little organization bits. Putting together calendars and making lists of tasks and clicking them off one by one and getting to see my spreadsheets fill with completed marks where there were once incomplete or pending marks. Going onto the website and posting something and having a little notification in the corner saying, you are posting this 100 days before it is scheduled to drop. <laughs> That's an, so amazing to do. incredibly satisfying. Now, granted, you could say, oh, well, Rick, you just do that at your job. Well, I do that at my job, but it's not as fun because it's a job. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> They say do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, that's a bunch of hogwash because when you get paid to do it and it's a job, it doesn't feel the same way. I don't think there are podcasters out there that do podcasting for a living. They're rare, but I don't think they podcast the same way as a bunch of fans pleasure podcasting like we do feel about it. I agree with you. Although, I would imagine that there are professional podcasters who would drool over your level of organization. <laughs> well, if they want to hire me, I can take a side gig, I'm sure. <laughs> well, now that you're not doing a podcast anymore, you have time for a side gig. Exactly. For now. For now. I do have plans for another project in the future. I don't want to talk about it on this feed because I've talked about it on several other instances. I'm sure... Our listeners already know about it, but I don't want to take up a bunch of time talking about that here. So I don't know. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rick D. Rekt. <laughs> <laughs> That's Rick D. with a capital D and then W-R-E-C-K-E-D. Because I watched a bunch of Rick and Morty when it was on. And 
it works. It does work. It's very clever. I love it. <laughs> so while we're at the end of the movie, we're not completely done. There is a distinct possibility that there will be a fifth Mad Max movie. And we've said it in the past. I'll say it again. If a fifth one comes out, we will do it in this format. Absolutely. And I imagine we'll do it pretty quick. We'll be there on opening night and probably do a hiatus style episode where we talk about our feelings and responses to it. But then also once it comes out on Blu-ray, then we'll we dive right into the minute by minute. I'm very excited about what the future may hold for Mad Max. And I'm also very worried that it doesn't hold anything. That Fury Road is actually the last one. And that saddens me. I want there to be more. Fury Road was just so good and so well executed that it saddens me that we may not get another one. Well, you never know. George Miller has produced a lot of movies in the past. He might think, huh, I've got all the bones. The other movies are practically written. Maybe I step into a producer role with my main series and bring in some protege director that he can work with. I don't know. I'm not George Miller. I'm open to that. I'm not so attached to George Miller that I'm unwilling to allow someone else <laughs> to direct a Mad Max movie. I'm open to someone else directing the movie, but I want there to be some sort of apprentice master relationship between them and George Miller because the Mad Max movies are essentially his kid that he dreamed up alongside Byron Kennedy and he brought in a slew of writers to help him realize it and a team of professionals to make it a reality. Stuntmen like Guy Norris and his teams, costumes by Norma Morriso, amazing production design by Colin Gibson. He has all of these rich visions in his head and he surrounds himself with so many good people. I'd like to see him do that with another director. But at the same time, if George Miller is sitting there in front of me and says, uh, I don't know, I, I could direct the next one or I could not. What do you think I should do? I'll say, oh, absolutely. You direct it if you have the time. <laughs> <laughs> if he's willing to keep directing. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm not sure that he is an essential ingredient. I think as a producer, yes, I think he needs to be involved in some way. So a producer role allows him to have influence while not having like the single minded work effort. You can produce more than one movie at any given time. You can't direct more than one movie at any given time. I don't think we've ever fully agreed on that idea. I've always considered him to be the keystone or the cornerstone of the series, but we'll see what the future holds. Speaking of the future, we are going to be releasing a handful of hiatus episodes after yes. this episode here. So the feed is going to stay active. I believe we're going to start at least with our standard hiatus format mm -hmm. of one movie every two weeks. And frankly, after that, yeah, there, we <laughs> haven't really decided yet. There will be at least three months of content after this. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of content on our Patreon because... I know I've done a terrible job of sharing it, but if you go over to the Patreon, the $1 level is the thank you level. We sincerely thank you $1 a month. It helps. It definitely helps. If you go up to $3 a month, then you get access to the audio feed, which will include all of our coverage of Hook. And the thing that I've been working on is a chapter by chapter reading of the Mad Max novelizations. As we speak, the first book is completely done and we're about 10 chapters into Road Warrior and Thunderdome is going to last all the way through into May. And as of right now, there is no novelization of Fury Road. Is no, that correct? There okay. is not. I don't think there ever will be because they don't make novelizations like they used to. Nope. Which is to say at all. <laughs> but I think that does it for us. I don't think there's anything left to say about this movie or this project. It's funny you put it that way, because I think if we did start over, we could fill the time again with what we didn't say. Because I don't know about you. Maybe you always say everything you think. 
I do not. You realize how frustrating that is? Well, sometimes my thoughts just don't flow with the conversation. Over 200 hours of content and you've been holding back this entire time. Well, I'm more interested in the flow of conversation than making sure I hit all my points that I want to hit. And sometimes my points are just so small, they don't go anywhere. They're the equivalent of a desert scene. Okay. I'm just saying that if we started over from scratch fresh, I think we could come up with fresh material for the same source material. Who's to say? We're not going to find out. Exactly. The only thing that really is left to say is a heartfelt and sincere expression of gratitude to our listeners. People who have stuck with us through the awesomeness that was Road Warrior to the near apocalyptic scenes of the first movie to the amazing stunts and special effects of Fury Road through the oddball things in Thunderdome. Thank you so much to everyone who has spent the time with us. It means a lot that you took time out of your day, whether you were driving or listening to us as you were going about your work. The fact that you allowed us time to occupy your mind space means so much to us. And we are sincerely grateful that you allowed us to be a part of your life for at least an hour and a half a week. (laughs) It seems crazy to me that people out in the world listen to what we say. And it feels very special that people do. So I am also very grateful for our listeners who have allowed us to do this. Honestly, we were going to do it whether people listened or not. I don't think our listenership numbers were ever really a priority for us. We just wanted to put out a product that made us happy. And the fact that it has made other people happy has been an amazing bonus. A lovely side effect. Yes. We were definitely trying to go with a field of dreams strategy. If you build it, they will come. And we built it and people came. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So with a near endless expanse of wasteland before us, there's nothing we can do but soldier on as we wait eagerly for the sequels that emerged from the decades long pre-production of Fury Road. But there are oases in the sand. So keep an eye on the feed because there's definitely more coming on the horizon. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 120 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.